1: Everybody, Welcome to a good football show. It is week eight. I'm your host Patrick Darty, joined today as always by Denny Carter on this fine Tuesday, maybe this fine Wednesday when you're listening in your car. We will be taking a spin through this week's biggest headlines including Alan Robinson's continued collapse, Michael Gallup's potential return, and which stud rookie we think will be scoring the most points rest of the season between Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts. We will then be joined by NBC Sports Edge contributor Lawrence Jackson talk three players he is bullish on rest of season and three he finds himself fading but first any you know football that's not important well it's not important to some of us um you have maybe requested not to work Sunday afternoon uh because it's a holiday and you have kids and you have to go trick or treating and what I'm yeah. wondering is do you enjoy this? Do you enjoy trick or treating?
2: I, I asked off for religious purposes and <laughs> uh and, and my, my boss was nice enough to uh to say yes. I think it also reminded my boss that he also has children that he needs, who need to go. It, 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 did, but...
1: it did indeed remind me that I could not <laughs> yeah. do a late game on Sunday. Yes. Right. And have to go trick or treating.
2: So uh, yeah, yeah, I, I like it. Here's the thing though. If your kids are not at a certain age, they don't have the stamina to do like real, real <laughs> trick or treating. No. Like, how, like how we did it in the nineties. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, you know, back
1: when I, men were <laughs> men. <laughs> right.
2: Right. When I would, you know, trudge through, our entire neighborhood, every single house, it doesn't matter if the lights were on, off, if they had dogs barking in the in the windows, it didn't matter. I was, I was there, I was asking, begging for candy, and I would come back with a whole pillowcase full. Now, kids today are good after they have, you know, what, four to six houses? Okay, that was good. I've, I've experienced trick-or-treating. I'm now done. And so that's been a little disappointing to me. I'm hoping as my kids get a little older, we can shift to real trick-or-treating.
1: Yeah. Kids are just soft these days. And speaking (laughs) of soft, I mean, what do you think of the lights Turner offers people who we know are home? You know, they got the lights off outside. (laughs) They accidentally don't realize there's some light peeking through the curtain. Right. So you know they're home. They're just they can't buy what you can't buy a bag of Kit Kats, really. I,
2: I, or, or I mean, the, some mints or something. You know, <laughs> some, something. It, it's a communal thing, and and I, I get it. You know, maybe like if for religious purposes you don't acknowledge Halloween, or you know something. I, maybe maybe I get that. But there was there was one house in my neighborhood a couple years ago where a guy was reading near his window. You could see him. <laughs> he's he's sitting there reading. The kids are at the door, and I'm, and I'm going, no, 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 no. The kids, come on, come on back. The kids are at the door banging, trick or treat trick or treat. The guy didn't move. The guy was like a mannequin sitting there reading his book, ignoring six kids at his door asking for candy. It was just remarkable on his part.
1: Sociopathic. And that, you know, it's just really, we're in the COVID age. You know, last year, we still went trick-or-treating, but, you know, like lots of the houses just set out bowls with candy. You know, have everyone get their hands in there, kind of rubbing the germs to the bowl. Yeah you can just set out a bowl. Uh, if you're home, I'm sorry. I mean, you got to buy a bag of, of Kit Kats and put them in a bowl. It's you the, can, you can, I
2: mean, you can do that, but then, you know, some kid is going to be a jerk and take all of them.
1: You, they are, I mean, but you know, we left a note. We went trick or treating. We set out a bowl. We left a nice little note. And you know, I feel like most kids, instead of being like, there'll always be the jerk kid, but I've found most kids go the exact other direction. I'm like, no, you can have three airheads, and like I only need two. I'm like, man, like really? You know, back in the '90s, We're I mean, yeah,
2: yeah, we asking took, for four, right? We took what we wanted, not what, yeah. what, what we were told <laughs> to do. You
1: know, don't don't be don't be such sheep, children. Uh, so, anyways, uh, we're we're both going trick or treating Sunday. Uh, hopefully, it's not too explosive of a late slate uh, in yes. the afternoon. We got to get into the news. There's a lot of news, a lot of bad news, Denny. Uh, we'll lead with some good news, though. And that is the number four overall pick, Kyle Pitts, is the tight end four by average PPR points right now. The number five overall pick, Jamar Chase, is the wide receiver four by PPR points. Two rookies kind of not only like living up to what were very high expectations, but kind of like beginning to exceed them and beginning to look like, like, kind of like the dawn of like superstars before our very eyes, basically. And I'm just wondering, basically, who. Who would you rather roster going forward in season long links? Who do you think is going to return more positional value? Who do you think is going to be the biggest fantasy X factor between these two burgeoning superstars in the second half of the season?
2: Uh, I'm going with Chase here and it's it's close because I think that Pitts has hit his stride. He has two back-to-back 100-yard games. Uh, and you know, his usage continues to be excellent and I just I want to I want to point out that you know, even before his little mini breakout here over the past two games, his usage was off the charts. Great. Okay. He was lining up everywhere. I think we talked about he lined up in 12 spots. And we said, Whoa, are, there are 12 spots to line up in.
1: Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't know there were that many spots, but they've been finding them.
2: <laughs> and,
1: and, and, you
2: know, he's leading He's leading all tight ends in routes run from the outside. You know, treat, they're treating him kind of like a receiver, which is what, which was the hope. You know, that I think that was his, his upside, not an inline guy at all. Uh, He's either on the slot or outside, and he's getting single coverage from teams. Maybe that won't last. I think he does give you an edge, a a slight edge uh, among tight ends. But there are other guys, I think, who can match him because because of volume, because of the offenses they're in. Whereas with Chase, I mean, Chase not only has excelled with little pass volume for the Bengals' offense over the first half of the season, but now they're ramping up that pass volume to get to some, you know, in the neighborhood of where they were in 2020 when they were among the pass heaviest teams in the league. And with that, I think comes just nuclear upside for Chase.
1: Yeah. It's tough because Pitts has so much positional value. The tight end is maybe thinner than ever this year. And he's just, he's like a different kind of dude for that position. I Meaning of his seven catches in week seven, five of them went for 20 plus yards. His shortest reception was 11 yards. There's a lot of tight end ones who like, if they have a long gain of 11, you know, that's like a good week for them. Kyle Pitts's positional value is like so off the charts that I'm very tempted to say I would rather have Kyle Pitts than Jamar Chase, but I mean, Jamar Chase, he seems to be almost on a different level even than Kyle Pitts. And, the positional value is not as great. I mean, wide receivers looking deeper than ever, like 20 to 25 deep almost. It was really hard to do the initial ranks this week. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Jamar Chase is just a different kind of player. His his shortest long reception for any given game is 34. Wow. Uh, he's the wide receiver four, and he's averaging over 20 yards per catch. Normally, like, if you're, like, that kind of guy, you'd be, like, a Deshaun yeah. Jackson kind of guy. It's very difficult to get up to, the like, the upper echelon Of the receiver ranks, just because your volume is never isn't that great, but his volume has been growing, and it's growing even as T. Higgins comes back. Or it just seems like he's this is like the classic, like he's committing like a hostile takeover, basically of the Bengals' receiver core. And I don't, I don't think we've seen a stretch like this probably since Odell Beckham's two thousand fourteen, after he finally became a starter and just went totally nuclear, like the final ten or eleven games of the season, and. That basically seems to be what we're seeing from Jamar Chase, and I could see some people arguing they'd rather have the positional value of Kyle Pitts, but I think just like the overwhelming raw fantasy points volume of Jamar Chase is just gonna is yeah. gonna take the day, and I actually agree. I'd rather have Chase than Pitts.
2: Yeah, and and uh, another another factor that really could come into play and boost Chase's already fantastic touchdown upside is that you know per establish the runs Mike Leone Cincinnati's pass rate over expectation has climbed to one of the highest in the league in the red zone, you know, so near, near the goal line, they're passing it more and more, not just handing it off to Joe Mixon three times, hoping he dives in with, like they were, <laughs> like they were doing in the first three or four weeks of the season. So, you know, that opens up a whole you know new potential, I think for, for Chase, he has it all. I mean, he has the deep shots. He has the intermediate stuff. He makes something out of nothing. And you're right. It is like a little, a little OBJ ish.
1: It is. And you know, this too. This was a guy who didn't play football last year, too. So, I mean, it's possible maybe he didn't even have, like, his legs underneath him to begin the season. Yeah. And don't you just love it when a narrative comes together, by yeah. the way? Like, the college narrative between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Like, they're already going to have the chemistry. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, it's the NFL. And Joe Burrow was fine as a rookie. He wasn't, like, amazing. He had the, the knee injury. Uh, but, yeah, it has uh, transferred, I would say. Did and, you know,
2: real quick, did you know Burrow – Said that he did not talk once to Chase about his drops issue uh in, in August. They live three houses down from each other in Cincinnati, and, and they and he didn't talk to him once. He said it, it didn't bother me. I knew he would get over it. The rest of us couldn't stop talking about it. So we
1: talked about for three weeks. No, and it was the drops combined with the supposed lack of separation. And that is like you don't see Jamar Chase usually like with like a gulf between him and the nearest defender, but I mean that's like uh, that's what that really is, I think is like a guy who can make a catch in crowded situations and a guy a quarterback who's willing to target his receiver in any situation. So that might like kind of like be playing tricks on people basically, or yeah. they're they're pulling the trigger on lots of like tight window throws and that he's accurate enough and Jamar Chase is dominant enough just to haul them in. And I feel like that might almost be like playing a trick on people's mind's eye with Jamar Chase as a separator. Because it's really just they're willing to attempt daring throws. And windows are never that big in the NFL. Yeah. Like the Odell Beckham in 2014, you get like a quick slant to Jamar Chase, and it can be like a 70-yard gone. touchdown.
2: So. Gone. That 82-yard touchdown against Baltimore, I was covering that game. And it's one of those things where you you, you kind of look away from the TV because, you know, he catches it in traffic. There are three defenders around him. It's a play, plays over. It was a nice gain, 12 yards or whatever. And then suddenly you look up, and he's sprinting in, in the clear. Yeah, it's crazy. I
1: will say Pitts could win the argument because Pitts is positional value. I mean, I, I keep using yeah. that for, like phrase almost like the point of emptiness, but no, it like, matters. It that matters. could be a massive, massive weapon down the stretch. I mean, he looked just totally uncoverable yeah. in week seven. Like they had the Dolphins just had no answers. I mean, the Dolphins don't really have answers for yeah. anything. Right well, yeah, but
2: he, Arthur Smith said after the game, he said, anytime we get Pitts on the outside one on one, the ball's going to him, period. And and so that that's great for his uh, long term value this season. It
1: is, it, let's create controversy. He's not a tight end, by the way. He's just not a tight end. I mean, uh,
2: I, I believe you know we're we're two and a half years away from him saying i will not sign as a tight end or i, I won't be extended as a tight end oh I man won't, won't i'm loving that looming
1: about, i'm loving that looming uh yeah. Yeah, the lawyers uh maybe some of your <laughs> lawyers you can lend them some of your lawyers okay and yeah, yeah, hopefully we're resolved by yeah. then so, yeah. sure. and by the way i just love how we can keep a professional on the show we can and you know, yeah, we, we know yeah. there's a show to put on Let's just keep a uh,
2: it's no no hurt feelings, uh, no. <laughs> e- even as the lawyers line up outside my door. I, I'm not, my feelings are fine.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know why there's three Chevy Suburbans just idling in my driveway right now. They can at least probably turn the cars off. I don't know why they're on. It just seems like a huge waste. But yeah. enough good vibes with Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts. Alan Robinson is the player kind of on everyone's mind. He's the one I'm getting tweets about already. Yeah. He's the one like in our own headlines. We're asking droppable question mark. Which I found a bit extreme, whoever on the staff did that. But then I thought about it. I'm like, well, I mean, uh, (laughs) I was like a little bit like, I I don't know if I would have gone that far. But then I thought about it. and like, well, if you're not asking the question, like kind of like, what are you doing? Uh, Because 58 receivers have more raw PPR points than Allen Robinson right now. That includes teammate Darnell Mooney, who has almost 100 more receiving yards than Allen Robinson. He has 345. Allen Robinson uh, has 250. And we know rookie quarterback Justin Fields is not helping Allen Robinson, but I mean Robinson is failing Fields too. Where we were just talking about separation with Jamar Chase, but according to Next Gen stats, no receiver in the league is generating less separation oh. than Allen Robinson. So, I just wonder—I wonder if his legs are starting to go. And just, I mean, Danny, do you actually believe Allen Robinson is droppable? And just. Where do we go from here with Allen Robinson? Uh,
2: yeah. I mean, I think if, if you're kind of set otherwise at wide receiver, which you're probably not. Cause you, you spent a fourth round pick on uh, Robinson. I think that you, you need to consider I mean, I, I would, I would hold out for now because of the possibility of a trade before the November 2nd deadline. Like that's your one saving grace. I think. Yeah. Fields fields is absolutely miserable. Uh, I, I don't, know how else to say it no,
1: yeah like, again not the like we it's fun to blame Matt Nagy and Matt Nagy's not helping matters but Fields is also uh just bad
2: uh yeah you know he, he i i covered that the Bucks Bears game and you know there were i don't know 6 to 8 throws where he was completely on his own in the pocket got to step up got you know first of all got to survey the field got to step up put you know, throw it and it was always inaccurate I'm talking four feet over the guy's head I'm talking about straight into the ground really concerning stuff I think so yeah I mean it this Bears offense I think can support one guy right now and that's whoever's getting the most carries which is, right now is Khalil Herbert it will one day be David Montgomery and that's
1: probably about it and I think you hit on the so you were right to ask the droppable question then I think you hit on the point like week eight like this is the week like he's got to either do something against this 49ers secondary which is might be even more undermanned than the Bucks secondary yeah. and the 49ers in general are in much greater disarray than the Bucks and so he's either got to have a big game or he's got to get traded because the, the trade deadline is a week from today it's November 2nd and if it's another bad game in week 8 uh, he doesn't get traded i mean we're halfway through the season and it's just hard to see where the light at the end of the tunnel is going to come from and his season high for yards is 63
2: yeah um, i know uh, it, it's it's just remarkable lack of productivity and i have one thing that that you know may be alan robinson's saving grace and i know that this will make alan robinson drafters feel much better about the whole situation he leads the bears in air yards so there you go, there you, you, go. Ha- you have that going for you
1: D- D- let me ask you a gotcha question um <laughs> I'm going to ask you a, a gotcha question. And uh, it's a, a, it's, it's an interesting question. I think it is one, like, I think we're going to have to ponder if Allen Robinson gets dropped in your league, do you then immediately add Allen Robinson? And, like try to bet on a second half bounce back.
2: Um, I, you know, I think if you are just absolutely desperate at, at wide receiver, or if it's like a deep league and the, the Robinson manager just got impatient, then maybe, but like, you have to be really hard up at a wide receiver to want to, you know, pick him up, you know, to spend fab money, whatever. I don't know. I I think that it would have to be a very particular set of circumstances to do that.
1: Yeah, I just I'd be less concerned because Allen Robinson, if the separation numbers were better, because Alan Robinson's never been known for like blowing by guys, yeah. you know. He's been a you know, he's known as a tough physical receiver who like wins one-on-one battles. And if his legs are starting to go, I mean, there's just nothing you can really do about that. And Uh, with the justin fields by the way i mean we're gonna find out if the thing with justin fields in college was that he wasn't like a true dual threat and that he wasn't just like running all the time like he never he didn't really have to look to run because he was such a good passer but he would like make big plays with his legs so like he was very capable of making explosive plays with his legs but maybe we're finding out this is not he's just not actually a dual threat maybe it's not matt nagy and maybe he's just isn't comfortable being a dual threat. Maybe especially in the NFL. So that that'll be like a storyline I'm watching with Justin Fields going for. Like, is this guy actually a dual threat?
2: Yeah, and, I, I think that it's possible he's a dual threat more in the Alex Smith mold. And I don't mean the same athleticism. Although, uh, you know, Alex Smith. Alex was, Smith was
1: a pretty was, great athlete, but but he's also not nearly as accurate. Well, he was in college accurate, like Alex yeah, Smith. Right, right. Um,
2: so so. I, I think we may be looking at that more than a uh, like a Trey Lance type where trey lance's game will always be will always include a lot of design runs
1: yeah that was the thing about people just didn't understand quote unquote about justin fields is that he made a lot of explosive plays with his leg but he was not a quarterback who was just looking to run and i kind of thought maybe it's just because he was such a good passer and it's such a good offense that he didn't need to right but maybe it's just not his mentality as a quarterback so something to monitor going forward with justin fields Danny, as Allen Robinson collapses, Michael Gallup uh, might finally be gearing up for a return Mm -hmm. from his calf injury. He's been out since week one. We actually don't know his week eight status for sure. But say he does return this week against the Vikings, a game that's going to be a shootout. What are like realistic expectations for Michael Gallup the rest of the season? You know, this offense is having probably a lot more success in the ground than fantasy managers were counting on. An offense where CeeDee Lamb is exploding, having big games, but also quiet games. Amari Cooper's been struggling most of the season from a fantasy perspective. What are realistic expectations for Michael Gallup?
2: You know, last we saw Michael Gallup, things were actually looking pretty good. Like he had four receptions on seven targets in uh, less than three quarters of work against Tampa before he exited with the injury and hasn't been seen since. We have to remember, though, that that Dallas week one Game plan was much different than yes. what we've seen since, and it was different on on purpose. You know, it, there was a reason. First of all, the Bucks were running rough shot over the Dallas defense, and they so they had to push the tempo. They had to take to the air uh, more than they would like to, uh, and the Bucks are really good at defending the run, which is I think still except the def- Khalil Herbert, the, except except for <laughs> Herbert, who you know when I was joking with Crane the other day. When you adjust for for competition or for matchup, I think Herbert ran for 500 yards. Yeah, he did. Uh, I, I I did. <laughs> anyway, uh, getting back to Gallup, so so we we have this idea that oh, like seven targets in three quarters, and this is what this is how he's going to be used going forward. But we seen a much different Dallas team when they can generate neutral and positive game script, which is most weeks limiting the you know uh the target upside you know the, the, uh, for for all of their receivers and as the number three receiver in this rotation i don't see him providing weekly you know value
1: yeah and it kind of, you know dalton schultz is like even more established this year than he was last year and just we're not getting yeah those game scripts of cowboys years past where they were carrying three receivers it'll happen some weeks like haven't the patriots yeah. we finally got another 50 attempt game for dak prescott could actually happen against the vikings in this game Turns into a shootout, but I mean, would you call Michael Gallup a wide receiver three or no? Is so he going to be like outside the top thirty-six at receiver?
2: I would struggle to to say that for the remainder of the season. Now, for a specific matchup like this, uh, this game against Minnesota, which has the week's highest total, uh, you know, two offenses that can you know, put up a lot of yards and points. Yeah, I think he's he probably profiles as like a mid to low wide receiver three. But when Amari Cooper is like a low end wide receiver two right yeah. now, then I don't, I don't know how Gallup is going to get there, you know, uh, uh, you know, without remarkable efficiency, I should say.
1: Yeah. I think rest of season by the letter of the law, Gallup might be like a top 36 receiver just because, you know, people get hurt. There's like weird hot and cold streaks. I think maybe you could bet on him finishing as a top 36 receiver like a lot of weeks, like the individual rankings, you might not have him in the top thirty-six. If that right. makes sense, so maybe the the cumulative effect will be that. of why, but Yeah, it's just I don't think we're gonna get the same Michael Gallup we got, even though he's in this elite offense. And you should really, really temper your expectations for Michael mm-hmm. Gallup. I mean, expectations, Denny, are those something we should have at all for Kenneth Gainwell? If Miles Sanders misses week eight with his ankle injury, uh, Gainwell seems on track to start against the Lions, who are permitting. Fourth most running back fantasy points. Uh, Boston Scott did out carry Gainwell against the Raiders, yeah. but you know, he Gainwell uh easily out produced him, out caught him. Uh, Danny, Danny, is this Gainwell season? Uh,
2: it I, so Boston Scott looks like he's going to be the primary ball carrier. He's right? the guy, he's an RB1,
1: we already know that. On but, early, uh... early downs, <laughs> <laughs> I
2: you know, that, that may be a little bit of a leap, you know, but he had. <laughs> So Boston Scott Scott had seven carries last week after Miles Sanders went out. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell had five. But, of course, Gainwell saw the eight targets to Scott's two. Also, Gainwell ran a lot more routes. Uh, So I think, you know, PPR-wise, it is definitely, potentially, definitely potentially is is one way to (laughs) phrase it, Uh, Gainwell's season. Uh, For an Eagles team that, you know, is usually behind, usually playing from behind, usually trying to chase points, and and I so I, I would be much more excited about Gamewell than I would about Scott. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, for sure. And again, like Boston Scott, he actually did pop some big plays back in the day. But I mean, the Lions' defense gives up a lot of big plays to running backs, except for Daryl Henderson for some reason. Yeah, that was very yeah. disappointing. I definitely would prefer bet rather bet on Kenny Gamewell making big plays against the Lions than Boston Scott. And say like, definitely probably I'm going to make the worst joke of all time. I actually shouldn't say this. But I was to like, say definitely probably. You're paying tribute to the 27th anniversary of Oasis is definitely maybe Denny. Oh. Uh, the Zoomers have no idea who Oasis are, None. Um, but yeah, we should just edit that out.
2: Oasis came before the Beatles.
1: They did. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they did. Uh, it was, it was little <laughs> Richard, then Oasis, then the Beatles. The Beatles I think yeah. If you're not a student of rock history, that was the order they go. came in. Uh, we're getting close to Lawrence Jackson joining the show, but Denny first, I think this is actually the second week in a row I've asked you this, uh, the Panthers, uh, folks, <laughs> uh, we got some issues here. Yeah. Sam Darnold benched in Week Seven. Chubba Hubbard erased. Robbie Anderson invisible. Mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey nowhere in sight. Is this becoming a fantasy offense to avoid?
2: Outside of DJ Moore, probably. You know, and they want to establish. You know, they want to run the ball, be tough nosed, and whatnot. He because-
1: doubled down on that, didn't he, on Monday? He did.
2: Yes, Matt Rule is still all in. But he did say, and I, I took this as a little bit of a critique of Chuba Hubbard. He said, "We need more explosive plays out of the run game." And seeing that Hubbard is the only guy really seeing any carries, I would think that this is a veiled criticism, very thinly veiled, <laughs> uh, against against Hubbard. But you know, we saw last week that even in even in a, a great matchup, and it was against the Giants' defense that had been just battered by everybody who they played this season, especially on the ground. I mean, the, the Giants hadn't stopped anyone on the ground, so you felt very confident. You felt good about starting Hubbard, but when a team falls behind, like the Panthers did, there's just no chance for a guy like Hubbard to to put up, you know, the numbers you were expecting or anything close to it. So this is the problem with teams saying, oh, no, we need to get back to establishing the run, because if you're down three scores,
1: you can't do it. No. And also, the Panthers should have maybe done a little more investigation into Trevor Hubbard, who... Was a big play threat at Oklahoma State until they gave him four thousand career carries, and yeah. he was very, very worn down by the end of his Big Twelve career. But yeah, that's way too thinly veiled a criticism, by the way. He he needed to like launder that quote through like a reporter yeah. paid by right. the NFL or something, and then have him you know tweet about it on Monday or something. Yeah, and, and now
2: they're talking about you know taking play calling duties away from Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator. Uh, wait, are they really? There's there's some there's some scuttlebutt okay oh like you know, the panthers beat Raiders. they're asking this question we're just we're only asking questions we're
1: just asking questions we're asking if joe brady <laughs> people are
2: is going to lose joe brady who was interviewed for five head coaching vacancies last year yes. is now
1: on the hot seat so it's it's bad people are saying yeah we'll be right back after this with lawrence jackson
0: the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up
1: NBC Sports is celebrating 100 days to the Winter Olympics on Thursday, October 28th. Top Americans Michaela Schifrin and Sean White will highlight nearly 3,000 athletes who are expected to compete from more than 95 different countries. The Winter Olympics begin February 3rd on NBC. Now we would like to welcome in NBC Sports Edge contributor Lawrence Jackson. He posts his Flex Finder article every Wednesday. I think it's every Wednesday. We've been kind of inconsistent on the day there, Lawrence. Uh, (laughs) That's our fault. Every Wednesday, though, with the Flex Finder. You can be found on our social media like almost every day, I feel like. (laughs) You're a Falcons apologist. Uh, You're a very funny person. Mm -hmm. Lawrence, how are we doing?
3: The Falcons should be apologizing to me. (laughs) (laughs) We're getting you some
1: apology victories, I will say. Emotional
3: distress, but we're going to have a little Falcon talk in a minute. But I'm good, man. How, How about you fellas?
1: We're good. How are you celebrating Kyle Pitts week? Um or Kyle Pitts year, month, decade,
3: popping champagne, <laughs> doing the Dougie, doing
1: everything, man. Yeah, I you
3: thought
2: know. about you when he went off, Lawrence, Because yeah, I I mean you you were you were out there pushing him hard in the summer, even when there was some hesitance around his uh around his ADP in the fourth round, right? Right. Before, and, and,
3: and you'll never get them. We ain't getting them this cheap again, no. you know, fourth, fifth round. It's not gonna happen this year. A lot of great tight end play, right? Dalton Schultz, Dawson Knox. A lot of these tight ends ain't about to go for 163 yards, though. (laughs) That's not going to happen.
2: You're right. Uh, And actually, I I think if he keeps this up, if if Pitts keeps this up throughout the rest of the season, we could be looking at maybe like a second round ADP. Oh, yeah, for sure.
3: Yeah. Yeah. The There's only people R- trying to do first round.
1: True. There's really like people like Denny who are trying to like turn him into a first round. I mean, maybe it would <laughs> be obvious that he's a first rounder <laughs> though.
3: Uh, so I gotta make sure I don't play in no league with Denny then, because <laughs> that that first round that too rich for my blood. There,
1: Denny. I will say I was surprised that you actually were dabbling in pitch drafting over the summer. You know, because you're usually a, you know a bargain shopper in drafts. Like all kidding aside, you are like you do try to find values, and right. Kyle Pitts was not a value. Um, well, you you'd actually did have Kyle Pitts interest over the summer. I, know.
2: I thought he was. I I, re- I really thought getting him in the fifth round felt great. Like I, I felt yeah. like, oh, like this, this is going to pay off, you know, and, and that that's why I, I went in on him. I, I felt like he was like an arbitrage George Kittle, which, you know, you <laughs> had to take him in the second or third round.
1: Arbitrash, George. We are very sick people that phrases like that exist.
2: <laughs> He's in an offense that actually uses him. That's yeah, you know, nice. I, I, that you know, is nice. Yeah, yeah. And, and
3: remember, after the Giants game, when he had like three targets, people were panicking, yep. but the Giants literally gained plan and was successful in taking him out of the game. But since they're the Giants, they still lost the game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which is crazy. Since it's the Since they're the Falcons, they usually – lose the game no offense Lawrence.
3: i don't know what's going on with this team the games they they're supposed to be losing these games yeah. even though it's the jets the giants the dolphins they're supposed to be losing these games but they're winning them yeah I'm that like, dolphins
1: right. game was the kind the falcons used to yes. lose 10 out of <laughs> yeah, 10 times
3: 100
1: and it is interesting because arthur smith you know is taking a lot of criticism early in the season but you know, those are the kind of games the Titans were like inexplicably win a lot. It was kind of like, how did the Titans just win that game? Yeah. Well, so maybe Arthur Smith is bringing some Titans energy to the Falcons. And Lawrence, what we brought you in for was to talk three players. You're bullish on rest of season. Three, maybe you're more bearish on, kind of fading going forward. And the first guy you mentioned was Matt Ryan, as someone whose arrow is pointing up. And I'd have to assume maybe this has a lot to do with the guy we just spent like 45 minutes talking about. Pitts. <laughs>
3: Yeah, don't get me started talking about Kyle Pitts because we'll be here tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, but Matt Ryan, like you just said, a big reason for why I feel good about him going forward is Kyle Pitts. Now, he's quarterback 20 right now, but you got to remember, they already had their bye week, so they're at six games. A lot of teams still at seven games. Uh, The past four games, averaging 300 yards a game, passing, Ten total touchdown passes, only one interception, right? And that was because Calvin Ridley let Xavier Howard just take it out of his hand. So now you could say I wasn't we,
1: tilted about that at all, by the way.
3: Yeah, right. I definitely remember that <laughs> because I need that for my narrative. I
1: needed that very badly.
3: <laughs> um, now you, now we just talked about the teams they played as. Sorry, like the Jets, the Giants, the Dolphins. Now, but the good thing is. They have a lot more teams like that coming up on the schedule. They still get to play the Jaguars. They still get to play the Lions. They still get to play the 49ers, who their defense is kind of middle of the pack. They get the Panthers twice. And I just heard you guys talking about Sam Darnold. That weak offense is going to present Matt Ryan with more opportunities. Now, they do play the Dallas Cowboys. However, the Cowboys are 10th worst uh against qbs and fantasy at this point so while digs does get five interceptions a game (laughs) matt ryan should still be able to do his thing and then when it comes to them playing the saints those games always go those will be a problem between them (laughs) so yeah i i I like him with now the great rapport that he got with kyle pitts i like matt ryan going forward that's one guy yeah
2: yeah you know i i think uh the expectation that Matt Ryan was going to click in a new offense, like right away was, you know, a, a little bit misplaced. And I, I, I don't know if anybody had really that expectation, especially in one quarterback leagues, but I, I think that he has found his groove here. You know, we talk about Derek Carr having, you know, really solid season, kind of a surprising season. Well, in points per game, Matt Ryan's only uh half a point per game behind Derek Carr. And Ryan's actually, ahead of Ryan Tannehill, Daniel Jones, Carson Wentz. So, you know, I think you're feeling pretty good about Matt Ryan finding that groove in, if you have him, you know, in, in super flex leagues where you need to start him every week.
1: Yeah, he's kind of already found it. He's at five straight uh, two touchdown performances. He's taking away fewer sacks than he did the first few games of the season. The yards per attempt is up. The only real concern, I know, the guy you like never known for his mobility, like, now appears to be somehow even slower.
3: Uh, oh yeah, that's for he definitely slower, Yeah. He's not moving well. He definitely uh, he, he, he ain't juking you, that's for sure. No, he's not juking <laughs> he <ain't> it. Juking. <laughs>
1: he's not one of those people where like, he you can even get well, like one of those fluke jukes. You know, every once in a while like, how did Philip Rivers juke Levante David and like they make fun of him a sports center for <laughs> minutes. That will not be happening. Uh,
2: with Matt Ryan, <laughs> sometimes a quarterback is so slow that a defender anticipates a quicker movement
3: and misses yeah. the
1: tackle because of that. that's true. That
2: All three true. of
3: us will definitely beat Matt Ryan in a race. <laughs>
1: I actually think that I might yeah, I mean, like
3: Tom gonna... Brady for show, but Matt Ryan,
1: <laughs> yeah. I can, I've let I like out some infield hits in softball. I'm not sure if Matt Ryan uh, could be doing that at this point. I'm fast, that's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm just very <laughs> fast. As a 35-year-old father, you just got to believe how fast I am. You, yeah. do, you
2: do take a lot of pride in your speed. I I,
1: I, I'm just, yeah, I'm legging out infield hits in softball. Uh, so, Lawrence, who's a player whose arrow you think is pointing down in the second half here of the season?
3: A guy that makes me a little nervous going forward, and it was a player that I had finishing as a top 10 running back PPR-wise is Antonio Gibson, man. And it's uh, it's just a lot going on around that situation. You got his injury that they say it's not gonna get better until he lay off of it. Um, you got the split there with JD McKissick when in the offseason they were talking about using him like Christian McCaffrey, where that was an absolute lie. And like now <laughs> I'm mad that that <laughs> comment made me draft because I'm thinking like, hey, he was a receiver in college. So now you're talking about getting him more involved in the pass game. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So you you put those two things together, and that uh, in the fact that, you know, Washington stinks, you put all those factors together, I, I'm pretty worried about him going forward.
1: That is the really baffling part about it, and, and that I just can't get over with Antonio Gibson, is that he did the hard part first, where he was supposed to be, like, a pass catcher first. It was gonna take him a while to become, like, an NFL runner, and, like, instantly he became a good NFL runner, and they're just not using him as a pass catcher.
2: Yeah, we, we need that we need two things for a a running back to really outperform his ADP even if it's in the second round like Antonio Gibson's was. We need goal line carries, check. We need early down work, got it? We need pass catching work. Don't don't have it. And with, it. for you know, for a while it looked like he was taking on not the third down role and not the two minute offense role. That that belongs to McKissick un- undoubtedly. But it looked like he was getting Gibson was getting more uh, action on early down passing situations okay so so he was he was eating into it a little bit the shin injury i think has set him back he was out snapped 46 to 30 last week against green bay yeah. <laughs> and yeah and and you know it's not it's i don't think it's going to get better from here is the problem yeah, yeah. And denny
1: another thing you need is you need someone whose shin is not about to explode That's
3: um, that yeah do, it, yeah. look, look, we came in the season knowing McKissick was gonna be part of this thing, but he has 34 targets and 25 catches. McKissick does. Mm-hmm. Antonio Gibson has 18 targets and 14 catches. I would be cool with that if that was flipped the other way. Yeah, like, I'd be good with that. That's how like that's what we thought it was gonna be coming in, but yeah. it ain't so. Now I'm trying to trade them, and I'm gonna be unsuccessful in doing that. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. So do you think should we be selling low on Antonio Gibson? It sounds like Lawrence thinks so. D- should we be selling low on Antonio Gibson? I think
2: so. I think that there's a, a a decent chance that Gibson misses significant time at some point this year. I think you get. I think get what you can right now before the bottom falls out. That's that's what I would do.
1: The thing that I was hoping with McKissick and Antonio Gibson was. I was just hoping McKissick was an Alex Smith only phenomenon. You know, like Alex yeah. Smith was like nice. in his end uh, of days, checkdown. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. like was like, you know, always Mr. Checkdown. And like last year seemed like he literally could not throw the ball deep. Mm-hmm. Like he was just trying to survive. And so if you're just trying to survive, yeah, I mean, sure. Giving JD McKissick 45 targets a game <laughs> makes <laughs> sense. Uh, but I was just hoping that was an Alex Smith only phenomenon. And it certainly appears that it was not. And that's a big problem. For all of us, uh, Lawrence, who someone now we talked to Matt Ryan here, high on rest is, who's another guy that you're bullish on, uh, going into the second half of the season?
3: Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go, uh, Matt Ryan's former number one target, and it's gonna sound crazy, and it's Julio Jones. And part of the reason I feel better about him going forward, um, is more so because you can't sell high on him. You're just not going to do that. The name ain't going to get you by no more on that. So you might as well buy low. Now, the thing about that is A.J. Brown, he came back in week seven, eight catches, 133 yards, and a touchdown, right? A.J. Brown is back. That's what we're all saying. That's great, and he is. However, that was his first 100-yard game of the season. So now him and Julio Jones, right, both have one 100-yard game and a bunch of less than average games uh, outside of that. We know what Julio's done uh, outside of that one 100-yard game. It ain't great. But if you look at A.J. Brown, he has games of 49 yards, 43, 0, 38, and 91. So with that, I feel like now that Julio finished the game healthy, that's what I was looking for this last game. Just get out of the game with no setback he had two catches for 38 yards whatever I'm good with that just finished the game they only threw the ball seven times in the second half because they blew the doors off Kansas City now if it was the type of game we expected we might have seen a little more from uh, Julio Jones and though the Titans defense played well I don't think they're gonna do that every week it's kind of like how we saw the Ravens play great against the Chargers And then we just saw him get smoked by Joe Burrow. So the Titans are going to have to throw a little more sometimes because of the defense. But, you know, I would say just take a shot on Julio and just see what happens. Like, I think that what's ahead is better than what he's put forth so far.
2: (laughs) I hope you're right. I hope you're right for the sake of some of my teams Uh, and. Yeah, you're right. Getting out of the game was important at, you know, without aggravating that hamstring injury or picking up a new injury, no one was going to produce, or I would, I should say, no one outside of one receiver was going to produce with that sort of game script uh, that the Titans had, especially because they just took the air out of the ball in the second half, like you said, Lawrence, but I'm guessing that you could acquire Julio in fantasy leagues for not much right now. Yeah.
3: And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's worth, it's worth that because we we saw him versus the Bills he made probably the best catch this year yes, um yes. The, the toe toe drag oh, but then wow. he but then he went out so leading up to this whole leading up to week 7 I'm like why play you like you just left the game but he yeah. the game <laughs> now, now the thing about the hamstring is hopefully that's done with. Once you're done with the hamstring for the year, it, it, you should be good. You know, so so that's what I'm banking on and I'm banking on his talent when he's available. So that's what I'm going to uh have faith in right there.
1: Yeah, the really good thing with Julio Jones is that the price is right. Like you're you're not going to have to like make overwhelming offers to get Julio and the thing that I think you can really hang your hat on with Julio is that Even though we know he's not the number one, I mean, A.J. Brown is the number one. He's one of the premier young talents in the entire NFL. Behind A.J. Brown, I mean, this remains an extremely narrow offense. I mean, the Firk daddy is doing nothing. Josh Reynolds is doing nothing. Keene Westbrook. I mean, there's just no one else to even really funnel these targets to. Like like Lawrence said, even though they shut down the Chiefs, the Titans still kind of project as like shootout city. And if he can just, yeah, put the hamstring in the rearview mirror, uh, it does stand to reason that Julio will have a much, much bigger second half than he did first half. We will be right back after this. Get an edge in your fantasy league with player rankings, projections, tiers, and alerts for players on your team or who you are eyeing up on the waiver wire by signing up for NBC Sports Edge Plus. And do it at a discount. Use the promo code GOOD10 and get 10% off your annual subscription. That is GOOD10 for 10% off... NBC Sports Edge Plus. The NFL season is in full swing, and the NBC Sports Predictor app has you covered with Sunday Night 7. Predict what will happen between the Cowboys and Vikings on Sunday Night Football for a chance to win up to $100,000. It is free and easy to play. Download today from your App Store or visit NBC slash predictor. All right, Lawrence, we've heard two guys you're high on rest of season, one you're bearish on. Give us the bad news on someone else.
3: So DeAndre Hawkins here. Now, not that I think this is bad news, but it's probably bad news for what you expected him to be doing in 2021, which is, uh, you know, top three, maybe top five receiver. And that all has to do with the emergence of Kyler Murray. Well, he's already emerged, but now he's playing at MVP level, and that's Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray does not need to depend solely On DeAndre Hopkins he's making it happen with AJ Green Uh, he's got Christian Kirk in there he's building a little rapport with Rondell Moore even though he's cooled off you just got Zach Ertz who came in and instantly was a spark in in Arizona so Kyler Murray not having to depend on DeAndre Hopkins as much as why he's probably a wide receiver 11 right now in uh, PPR but what even has him at that position is the six touchdowns. Yeah. You know Living
1: off touchdowns.
3: Yeah. He he hasn't even had a 90 yard receiving game yet. How many receivers have had a 90 yard receiving game this season?
1: I think Quez so, Watkins has
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now we know that hundred-yard game is going to come at some point, but the fact that it hasn't come yet, that has me worried about him being that true elite fantasy option that you drafted him as in 2021.
2: Yeah, it comes down to looking at the target share this year compared to last year. 30% last year, mm-hmm. which is, you know, remarkable. <laughs> 21% this year. And so you the only way you can compensate for that is through touchdowns, lots of them, which he's doing right now. <laughs> but, you know, we we all know the nature of touchdowns. They're it's they're fickle, they're hard to predict, they're volatile. However you want to say it, you know, you, you, you cannot bank on them even for a player, you know, of the skill level of, and
3: he's one that gets those.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Right. And, and and, right. And, but without those touchdowns, he's in serious like fantasy trouble. Like those who drafted him in the second round, we're, we're hurting. We're hurting. Yeah.
1: I mean, he's 26th in receiving yards right now with 420. Like that was, you could not see that coming. And it's just weird. I mean, 21%, Denny, that's not like a bum. I mean, you can still be a wide receiver one on a 21% target share, right? Do I, do I have the numbers right in my head? Or is yeah, that too 20 low? To be- is okay. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I think you,
2: you could with enough touchdowns, you know, he's not, he's not really dominating air yards. He has 32% of the team's air yards, which is not anywhere near like, you know, elite yeah. air yard domination that we see from other receivers in the league. So they, I guess, yeah, yeah, if
1: you're only be a 21% target share too, you need to be averaging more than like 12 yards per catch. You need more big plays. And of course the touchdowns, uh, yeah. By the way, maybe we had it all wrong with DeAndre Hopkins. Like we always thought the narrative was this guy is so good. He just, he survives all these bad quarterbacks and all these bad teams. What if it was the only reason he got so many targets was because he was the only good player. Yeah. And now possible. he's not the only good player folks.
2: It is possible. Yeah. It, you know, it's uh, not, it's not,
1: but uh, <laughs>
2: I'm, not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying Hopkins is, is bad, but I yeah, am, yeah, you know.
1: yeah, here producer Adam clip that.
2: Uh, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) the the receivers around him have not been so great traditionally over the years uh i guess he had will fuller for a time in houston but that's about it
1: yeah i mean it's just i just too that i haven't been able to shake the idea that maybe nukes legs are just going a little bit and a guy who's played through like a ton of injuries like deandre hopkins is like the classic like you know kind of like the classic nfl warrior i mean i know that's the word is silly to use for an athlete but he plays. He's played through a lot of stuff in his yeah, career. Yeah, he
3: ain't missing much time. No,
1: and I just wonder if maybe that's taking a toll, and maybe DeAndre Hopkins. And look,
3: we're still talking about the wide receiver eleven right now, so yeah, it's like, that's he's the still, point. <laughs> like he's still a wide receiver one. It's just that, and I hate to say, well, if he didn't have the touchdowns, because he does, but it's just you know, with only two games above eighty yards, like. Yeah. And Kyler's he's airing it out, but it's like AJ Green is there, you know, who I'm happy for him as well. But yeah, it's just like Kyler does not have to depend on him like he did last season.
1: No, he hasn't had a single 10 target game, which is just almost and unfathomable two. for DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, that used to consider that his floor for weekly targets. So uh, we'll see, we'll see, DeAndre. let do
3: it for the Cardinals in real football.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's great for them. Yeah, they got yes. so many guys. You know, that becomes a problem. Like, when the, for like in fantasy, when the quarterback is so good, as you've been saying, Lawrence, they don't have to lock on to a guy anymore. Like, Kyler Murray has the luxury of being so good, he just throws to whoever is yeah. open. We don't like that. In yeah, yeah, uh, we don't like that. You got to throw, you got to force the ball to your alpha. Come on, man.
3: Do it. Yeah, because <laughs> so, he drafted. Him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, please, please. So, Lawrence, we got we got two up. We got two down. Who's the third guy you're positive on heading into the second half?
3: Well, I'm going to – I was all on Jerry Judy this offseason, and he's coming back in week eight, and I'm looking forward to it. Week one versus the Giants, it was like clockwork. Speaking of locking on a receiver, Teddy Bridgewater (laughs) had tunnel vision for Jerry Judy. He Into the third quarter, he's at six catches for 72 yards, and I'm loving it. I'm talking all the trash, doing all the victory laps, and then he then he snapped that little ankle, and then it was over. So what we do know is, uh, and now Teddy Bridgewater is a guy I can appreciate as a player, although we know he's pretty even kill, He ain't gonna go win you the game with 350 yards, but he's not gonna pull a Sam Darnold either. He ain't gonna... If he didn't get benched while he was hurt for Drew Locke in the game against the Browns, he's going to play. So we know he has that rapport with uh, Jerry Judy, and they started that early in the offseason. And there's no better way to get going for Jerry Judy coming back Mm -hmm. than to go against the Washington football team defense, who's the second worst uh, against receivers in fantasy. So Jerry Judy comes back, have a good game against the Washington football team, build that confidence because the schedule is not easy, per se, going forward after that. But the fact that that's the only person that Teddy Bridgewater's gonna throw the ball to, like, I'm feeling good about that. I have a confidence in just his ability to get open, one of the best rock runners in football. So, and he put that on display week one, and I look for that to continue.
1: Denny, how do we feel? Like, Jerry, Judy, like, I think, yeah, it like, probably helps the Teddy Bridgewater is like banged up now, and maybe gonna be like less event taking fewer side. He was already taking way more sideline shots than Cortland Sutton, and I like thought possible for Teddy Bridgewater. And it just seems like as he's struggling, as he's not healthy, that it would make a lot of sense for him to kind of immediately lock back on to Jerry Judy.
2: We we talked in the preseason about how Judy profiled as a probably a, a better, more natural target for Teddy Bridgewater than Cortland Sutton would. Now we have been since proven wrong because because Bridgewater has gone deep more than almost any other quarterback in the league, and Cortland Sutton, as of last week, led the league in air yards. Uh, so you know Sutton is still will still be a major factor, but yeah, I mean Lawrence is right about that week one usage for Judy six catches on seven targets in less than three quarters, I believe, a play against the Giants. Uh, he had a team high 85 air yards in that limited time. So I'm all in on Judy coming back and he couldn't come back in a, in a better spot this week.
1: Yeah. And it's like the Broncos offense is kind of been going off the rails and they might want to like be dialing it back a little bit. And I think Judy for sure will just immediately blow by Tim Patrick, obviously yeah. kind of render Tim Patrick irrelevant. And just, it just seems like a good time for Jerry Judy to come back. And even if Teddy keeps up, Kind of like the chemistry with Cortland Sutton. It thinks it's a it's just a really really well timed uh, week for Jerry. Junior. That offense
3: been hard to watch. Yeah, it has. So. You, you, you get them away, away from playing the Jets and the Giants. It's been kind of rough. Yeah, but like I say, you get the you get the Washington football team who doesn't get pressure on teams despite having Chase Young and Montez Sweat and all them guys that they'll get it. They'll have a chance to uh, get back on track.
1: I they, I believe so. And all right, Lawrence, the final player, who are you bearish on going down the stretch here? Someone that maybe he's been having a good first half, but you think the indicators lights are not good for the second.
3: This one right here was the easiest one for me. And it's uh Dawson Knox, you know, four and a half targets a game, three and a half receptions a game, but he got five touchdowns. Now, unless he's this year's Robert Tynion, we see what he's doing this year, right? Robert Tynion? Yeah. Unless that's Dawson Knox and he could end this year with 10 plus touchdowns, then I'm good on that. Hasn't had a game over 50 yards outside of the one versus the Chiefs where he broke a 53 yard touchdown. Not to mention, we don't know when he's going to return either from the uh, from the hand fracture that he has. But even without that variable included, and uh, I just don't see, like, like, I feel better about Dalton Schultz going forward than I do uh, Dawson Knox.
1: Yeah, Dawson Knox living off touchdowns. I mean, the way I'd say he is being put in position to make big plays and he is obliging in making big plays, but it's not like a Robert Tunyon setup like it was last year where, like, Tunyon, part of that was because the Packers were, were so narrow, had no one else to throw to. It's not the case for the Bills. We've still got Cole Beasley behind Steph Diggs. We still have Emmanuel Sanders, Denny's favorite player, kind of one of the unheralded uh wide receiver threes so far of twenty twenty one. And I mean, Denny, where where are you at on Dawson Knox here for games eight to seventeen, however many games they play yeah, in the NFL right. now? First
2: of all, I think Emmanuel Sanders is very heralded. I don't think he's unheralded <laughs> at all, uh, d- despite what my colleagues would say. Uh, you know, Dawson Knox uh, headed into Buffalo's bye week was ninth in tight end routes run, which uh, is a big departure, massive from where he was last year, where he couldn't find the field. You know, it was Cole Beasley running a lot of those routes. And I know, I know Beasley had a big game uh, before that, before the bye week. But, you know, besides that, Beasley has been, had very little usage to the point where he was dropped in, in a lot of leagues. So, yeah, I think Dawson Knox like all tight ends in fantasy, except for two or three, Mm -hmm. he's going to be touchdown dependent. Mm -hmm. You know, we we are going to need those touchdowns to continue, but in Buffalo's, you know, high flying offense, I think that he has as good a chance as any as keeping those touchdowns coming.
1: Yeah. That might be fair with Dawson Knox. I think maybe it's just one of those
3: years. Especially when they get near the goal line.
1: Maybe it's just one of those offenses that this year can sustain a player like Dawson Knox, but you when a player is, really, really sustained by touchdowns. You always consider them a fade candidate, a sell candidate. And now it's bad that he's had his momentum disrupted by this. He's probably going to miss two games, maybe only one more game. But that, that's a big – he'll probably never be more valuable than he yeah. is now. I mean, I I, I
2: I will say I think that you you want – I don't know if, if people have this decision to make, but, like, you definitely want Mike Gusecki over Dawson Knox. Yes. You, want, you know, you want Noah Fant. Obviously, you want Pitt's. You you might you know you might want Schultz depending on how Gallup is treated uh, upon his return, so it's uh, you know it's not like it's not like Knox is a must have and, and it, you can't drop him through you know uh, through this injury this hand injury I think if you're if you're really dealing with a bench uh, issue you know tight bench issue then you can probably drop Dawson Knox and be
3: okay. Yeah no no way uh, I, uh you mentioned jasecki I'm gonna like that's another guy like he's getting the targets. He's had a game, you know, eight catches, 115. And then when you look at the Dolphins receivers and the Bills receivers, you know, the Dolphins leave much to be desired in that department right now outside of Jalen Waddle. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so Jacecki is Josecki will be a weird guy, too, with people in theory coming back. Of course, Will Fuller somehow already not coming back for week eight. Don't ever know what's going on with this guy.
3: I don't know what's up with Will Fuller.
1: I don't either. I was it's just—it's sad that he's having the most Will Fuller season ever. After yeah, it's it's just bad. It's so sad when people don't surpass your low expectations, and Will Fuller has not done that this year. Well, just play a game. It'd be nice. It would be nice, Will. Just
3: play a game. Nice. Uh,
1: so that's all the time we have for today, uh, Lawrence. Thank you so much for dropping by. Yeah, check out Lawrence's Flex Finder every week on the site going up midweek. Check out his stuff on social media for us. It is hilarious. It's making me laugh every week. Uh, Lawrence, we've been featuring you on the Sunday show, running your video, um, which I think you didn't know at first until I told you the other day.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, I, <laughs> I saw it on there, right? I was watching it. Because um, it's hard for I I'm scrambling at 12 noon. Yeah, but I, yeah, yeah I, yeah. I logged on right when you guys had it on there. I was like, they must be having some technical difficulties. <laughs> 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 Somebody about to get fired and so <laughs> oh yeah
1: we thought it was finally the moment denny was going so we rolled your clip yeah and uh that was a few weeks ago but everyone liked it so much we started doing it every week and i still try to fire denny during the clip but it
2: it hasn't what can you do but yeah lawrence we really enjoy your work Yeah, we really do
1: it's it's hilarious stuff it's awesome stuff it's good stuff and thank you so much for dropping by today thank you so much for listening Uh, for lawrence for denny i'm pat we'll be back on wednesday